If you're a worship leader that feels stuck in a rut, or if you're just a plain worshiper who wants to know how to take your worship to the next level, engaging in language that belongs to the age of Zion, we have an awesome school for your consideration. The Nest is running a school. This is year two that it's running. It is called The Realm, the Dimensional School of Worship. And it's going to be having two classes every week. Your principal is going to be Jessica Wright. She does a whole bunch of things from how you engage, how you express worship in movement. Um, Ray Hughes is one of the speakers in this coming year. You're going to learn how to write songs, how to express that language of love to Yahweh. If you're interested, please go and visit www.thefoundationnest.com and click on the Realm tab for more information. We understand that COVID has hit our finances and so we've dropped the school for this year by $200. This is the only year that this special will be offered, so please do take advantage. Classes start in September and we look forward to seeing you there. Hi everyone, welcome to Origin Gates Daily Podcast, Wisdom's Echo. This is Grant Mahoney and Stevie McKee. And um, what are we sharing on today, Stevie? Well, we thought we would share on learning from the saints of old. Oh, that's such an awesome subject. I love the saints of old and we obviously all have our favorites. So where do we want to start? Well, I like to think, I think we should start on the Celtic saints. Why don't, because you, you have been really impacted by the Celtic saints. I mean, you are actually Irish, is that right, Grant? Yeah, that's correct. Both my parents were Irish and I have been greatly impacted by the Celtic Saints. I absolutely love them, especially Patrick and St. Columba, but I also love like Bridget and different things like that. So there's different ones that I absolutely love and we do tours to Ireland and we go to follow the footsteps of the Saints. And when I look at their lives, it just, it impacts me so much. It's just unbelievable. The thing that amazes me is I mean, the modern church loves to think we honour the saints of old, like we honour the Celtic saints, we honour the revivalists, but somehow we don't have the same message as these guys had because they didn't just have a, a namby-pamby message. Like, they walked in, the, as you talk about, Grant, the goodness and severity of God, like St. Patrick. I mean, tell us some of the stories about that. Well, I know when, I mean, St. Patrick was um, basically kidnapped at a young age and taken to Ireland and he escaped. And when he went back to wherever he was, they, they some people believe he was in Wales, he had an encounter with an angel called Victorious. And this angel told him he had to go back to Ireland. And so he did. And his first encounter was quite unique because he, he went back to Ireland and he was on the hill of Tara and he lit a fire. And it was at the Feast of Samhain, which is where Halloween comes from. And the high king of Ireland, who, were, who was King Leary at the time, was supposed to light the first fire. And when he saw this fire, someone had lit a fire, he was highly offended. And he sent his soldiers and his high druid to go and confront this person. And when they confronted Patrick, the high druid went up and slapped him in the face. And Patrick was so offended. And he said, how dare you touch me, the son of the most high God. And then he asked the father, he said, Lord, take this man up and strike him down. And suddenly he just... Like out of thin air, this man just lifted into the air like 20, 30 foot and came down crashing on a rock and died instantly. And obviously all the soldiers were petrified and ran back. And um, what actually happened was that King Leary's two children drowned in the Liffey. And I think it was two weeks after they drowned, he said to Patrick, if you can 
bring my children back to life, then I will serve your God. And that's exactly what Patrick did. So that was his first miracle in Ireland, but not actually his first miracle. This man was like incredible. It's, it's, it amazes me that what they walked in and like they, they, there was no messing about. It's like, did he not say something like, how dare you touch um, God's anointed or a son of God yeah, or something yeah. like that? He said, how dare you touch me? I'm a son of the most high. I mean, they, they had a message and functioned out of an authority and power that we don't have. And I think we like to uh, romanticize about the Celtic saints and, I know there's I know people who love they love the Celtic saints like the miracles and the signs and the wonders and the angelic encounters and the heavenly encounters and that's amazing. I love that as well. But somehow we never ever talk about the message they preached. And it was it was love, but it was also the severity. And somehow we don't want that part anymore. No, it's like we're almost afraid of offending people. And I know back in those days, like with Patrick and all of them. They preached the truth, and I think that was the thing, is that they walked so close with the spirit of truth that they they carried both that severity and the goodness of Yahweh. So there was great love that emanated from them, but there was also great power and great fear and respect, and they knew who they were as sons of, of God. They knew that they carried the authority of heaven with them, and so they could literally speak life or death, and, and it actually happened. That, that's just it's crazy authority they had, but as you say, the Lord could trust them. I mean, I read a story, um, it was about a year back or so, and it was about Patrick. And this group of, it must have been druids or something. And um, St. Patrick actually summoned an earthquake. He yeah. summoned an earthquake and the earth swallowed them up. I mean, I'm not suggesting for a second we go about summoning earthquakes and all the rest of it, but these people were so in union with God they did not just do something just because, oh, let's just do this because I can. They walked in union, and they knew when God was releasing goodness, and they also knew when God was releasing judgment. Yeah, I mean, another story that really impacted me, we were at one of the monasteries called Clonmacnoise in Ireland, and um, I think that's where Columbus served quite some of his time there. And there was a story where uh, one of the monks was out in one of the fields, and this young girl, 12 years old, was running towards him, being chased by some barbarian. And he lifted up his whatever that the, the monk's garment is so she could hide. But just before she got under there, this guy threw a spear and it killed the 12-year-old girl instantly. And he cried out and he said, Lord, how long must this wickedness go on? And Columba pointed at this this person, this marauder, whatever, and, said, and, it, and he said, it stops now. And the guy dropped stone dead. And I think one of the things is that these guys knew they had this ability because of the holiness that they walked in mm. to read a person's skull instantaneously and know that person would never, ever succumb to the Lord Jesus Christ and give their life. So they could actually literally speak death over a person. And we think in today's modern Christianity, oh, how could you do that? Mm. The, the thing that I'm absolutely right, the thing that amazes me also is the level of the prophetic they had. I, I think the level of the prophetic we have is like it's like children's toys. We're functioning. It's just it's very basic. It's very general. In fact, it's you see it on Facebook all the time. There's certain ministries will put out prophetic words, and it's just like a daily horoscope. Whereas they they knew people's names, like Saint Columba. When people came to the island, he knew they were coming, how they were coming, how many were coming. He knew the motives of their heart. He knew if they were coming to steal or they were coming as a friend. And they had such a high. I would call it more like an oracle. They were oracles. 
Absolutely, yeah. I mean, they function in a level that we have so lost. It's like we live in like some watered-down type of Christianity where they function in the fullness of the kingdom. Because if you think about it, the, the Celtic saints, or let's take Ireland as a nation, is the only nation ever on earth to have been evangelized peacefully, where the whole nation served God. I mean, that is incredible. I wonder if it was peacefully because these guys walked in the fear of the Lord and people were terrified of them. I, that, that's what I believe. I believe when, when they knew, when people know I should not mess with these guys because these guys serve the Most High God and no one can touch them. I mean, they were incredible. They feared nothing. They knew who they were and they carried the power of Yahweh and Yahweh backed them with everything. So what do you think the key is, Grant? Like... I mean, we're talking about just some simple stories and what they walked in. Like, what is it they had then? We don't, because we're supposed to walk in that and even greater. There's, there's no, we're supposed to go from greater, from glory to greater glory. From, I mean, what they had was powerful, but God's going to end it even more powerful. So, what is it they had that we don't? I think they had a simplistic faith. They just believed in Yahweh, but they had this prayer life, this life of, um, let's call it submission and, and, and total sold out to Yahweh. They, they just wanted to serve him with their, with their everything. And it was reflected in their lives in terms of how much time they spent with the Lord. They, they knew how to ascend back in those days. I mean, more than we do. I, I know when they built the beehives and stuff, and mm. that for them was their ascension chamber. They would go and sit in that chamber and pray and then ascend into heaven. And even if you look at Skellig Michael and the monks up there, they would literally go into those beehives and be there like a week without eating or drinking because they were raptured. They were in the presence of God. And the only reason they went to that place was to pray. And so they had a level of prayer, a level of communion with the Lord that we don't have anymore today. And so I think they knew God more than we know him today. We think we know him because we have some amazing revelation or whatever, but they really knew him. I think that's so true because I think, I think I heard you say this before, like we've, we've replaced knowing God for just knowing about God and revelation. And we've, there's, there's no doubt God is releasing revelation on the earth today, like maybe never before. But we think if we know stuff about heaven or about God, that that's the same as knowing God. If we get some revelation about, I don't know, some crazy thing in the heavenlies, which might be true, that does not mean you know God. These people knew him. And out of that revelation came. Absolutely. They they just had such a deep, intimate relationship with the Father. Well, with the whole Trinity. I mean, even if you look at Patrick's prayer about Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ above me, Christ beneath me, Christ on my left, on my right, everything in their lives was around Christ. They, they fellowshiped with him to such a deep level that I just don't even think we can comprehend that level in, in today's times and in today's version of Christianity. I, when I, when I, um, I was thinking about this earlier, I was thinking about the gospel because they preached the gospel. They preached the, the, the real message of salvation, the, the message of the kingdom, as you guys have been talking about. But yeah. I, I don't recognize our gospel anymore because what I've read in Facebook, and this is the honest truth, someone saying it's not just one, lots of people in the hypergrace um, stream preach things like this that there is no such thing as sin anymore. Because Christ died, we are already saved. We just don't realize it yet. Humanity is already saved. We just don't know it yet. So salvation really is just someone realizing that, that, that they are already saved. That is not what these guys preached, is it? 
Absolutely not. They confronted your sin. And I think that's the thing that we don't do anymore today. Even if you look at like, we were talking about Finney and Wigglesworth and um, and um, my favorite guy, Spurgeon, all those people, they confronted sin. I mean, I've been reading some of Spurgeon's sermons and man, they are so cutting. They cut to the core. They cut to your very heart. And it makes you look at your life and you look and you go, wow, man, I am a wretched mess. And we don't want that message anymore. We don't want to be told we're a wretched mess, but we are. And there has to be something. And, and I think salvation is too easy, if you understand what I'm saying. It's just a, let's say the salvation prayer, but then what's the change in your life? This is the thing, is these people changed because of the, the work of Christ. The work of the cross changed them and transformed them. And I think in today's Christianity, we don't see that transformation because it's not even real. It's very watered down and iffy type of thing. Absolutely. And some of the people that impacted me also is like the, the guys in the Hebrides and the, in the Lewis Revival in 1939 and 1949. And I remember hearing recently R.T. Kendall um, speaking, and he was saying, we, we all love the stories of the Lewis Revival, like there was an earthquake in a house, like there would be actual lights would follow people and, and went down their chimneys. And you knew that the people in that house were getting saved that day. And, there were so many stories of the fear of God coming to the island at midnight, 11, 12 at night, and seven, 800 people running to the church. We all love the stories, but it says we forget one fundamental thing. They preached a gospel that included the goodness and severity. They preached about heaven and hell. So the fear of God had something to land on. And somehow we want the fear of God, we think we do, but we don't preach the right message. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, you know, when people say, oh, the presence of God came, I often think, no, it didn't. It was just some outer court experience because if God really came, you would be on your face in terror because of who he is. And I think one of the, the, the problems is we've made God our friend. And I'm not saying he can't be your friend. He was Moses's friend. But that came through a lot of time invested in a relationship with Yahweh. And I think the thing is that he's not your buddy. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe. And he's breathed his life into you. And there has to be this honor and respect, which I find a lot of people don't have for the Lord. Yeah, and the saints of old had this. They had a reverence for God. Like they had a fear of God. Even if you, when you read about the island of Lois before the revival, it, it said the people there who, who weren't even Christians had a fear of God. They had a, an awe. We have somehow changed God so that, as you said, like, oh, I jumped up in Papa's knee. Like, really? Like, really? I, that's, I don't see, I don't understand that God. Yeah, and I think the thing is to also say that God is loving and he is kind and he is merciful and all those things. And 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 I love that about him. But I also love the fact that he, even his word says he only disciplines those that he loves. So I love to be disciplined by Yahweh because when that happens in my life, I know that he cares about me enough to want to see me change. And I think that's a problem is a lot of people don't want the discipline. All they want is the goodness. They don't want the severity. And for me personally, I find it quite um, comforting when Yahweh does bring correction in my life because I know he cares for me. And the other thing is, it, it really is God's love even preaching about the fear of God and holiness and all of that because these guys turned regions upside down, cities upside down, nations upside down. Like, if we want to see God's love extended to the masses, to the whole earth, 
we need to preach the goodness and severity like these Celtic saints did, like the revivalists of old did. Why? Because it actually works and it actually changes nations. Absolutely. I totally agree. There has to be a spirit of conviction that comes back into the church. Absolutely, Grant. So this time's went in quick. Yeah, well, that was awesome, guys. Well, I hope you enjoy this. Stevie, thank you so much. And bless you guys. Thank you. Bless you.